Okay, welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. We have a lot to get into. Man, it's been a big week um, in the sports world. We got COVID in college football. Um, NBA NBA offseason never disappoints. Uh, NFL football coming up this weekend. Some big time games. We're going. We're getting into the latter part, the second half of the year. So we're starting to learn and discover what teams are, who's contenders, who's pretenders. We have a lot to get into. Let's start it up. Let's start it up. Let's waste no time. Everybody stay safe out there. Everybody stay safe out there. could turn it down or turn it off okay okay so welcome back once again um thank you guys for tuning in and choosing me uh you guys could have been anywhere else but you guys chose me to listen to today um we're going into the weekend and you know shout out to all my first time listeners shout out to all my regular listeners shout out to um if you just ran into this podcast, shout out to you. If a friend shared it to you, shout out to you. If I told you about this podcast, shout out to you. If you go to school with me, shout out to you, okay? <laughs> so we got a lot to tackle. Um, you guys know what kind of podcast this is. If you're a regular listener, you guys know what kind of podcast this is. This is where I give my top 10 teams of the week in the NFL Going into week nine, I th- we're going into week yeah we're going into week nine I think this year, this week week nine <clears throat> we're going into week nine or ten can somebody can somebody look that up jeez we're going into week ten sorry we're going into week ten of the NFL season what am I talking about but before we even get to football in my top ten list. You guys already know what's coming. I'm going to talk about Wesley Westbrook. Wesley Westbrook, that's what we call him. That's what we call him on this podcast. I came up with the nickname, Russell Westbrook. You guys know I had to start with him. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to give you guys, and you probably have already heard it, but similar to Baker Mayfield, um, I think a couple weeks ago, I, th- I think it was after the Steelers game. Uh, I went in on Baker. May- I-, I went in on Baker Mayfield and Russell Westbrook. Um, athletic, supremely talented. I-, I love his mentality. His his whole mental makeup. I love it. And one thing you can say about Russell Westbrook, I- I'm very critical of him, but he gives it a hundred percent effort. Every night, all day, no matter who's on the floor with him. 
He don't give a damn. And I like that about him. Now, I'm going to give you guys the harsh truth. And like I said, I've been, I, I've been pretty critical ever since I started this podcast last summer. Last summer. Last year in the summertime, I started this podcast. And you guys, you know, you guys can take the time and scroll down and you'll see my first couple episodes. I talked about Wesley Westbrook a lot. And I call him Wesley Westbrook. And you guys can probably figure out why. I mean, he's one of the he's one of the worst shooters in and he's one of the worst three-point shooters that this league has ever seen. Uh, like, just look at his percentage as far as volume, as far as volume. He's one of the worst shooters that this league has ever seen. But this is the harsh truth about Wesley Westbrook. And, like I said, I think he's superbly dynamic. I would pay top dollar for Wesley Westbrook to go see him. I, I mean, because he, he, he's, that, he's that electrifying. He's that exciting. And he's very influential. He's very he's very iconic at this moment. He's gonna he's gonna he's or when he retires he's gonna be iconic. Russell Westbrook has a lot to like. He 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 has a lot of characteristics about him that you, you should like. But you guys can go back and listen. Like I said, go back and listen to my my first couple episodes <laughs> that I ever did. <laughs> and I talked about this James Harden and Russell Westbrook thing. And if you don't know, the report is now Russell Westbrook. He wants out of Houston. He wants out of Houston. And this news broke um, on Thursday, I think. This news broke Thursday after e- Thursday evening that he wanted out of Houston. Um, and I kind of saw this coming. I saw this coming. Like, are we? Are we? Are, like, are any of you guys genuinely surprised that the James Harden? In Wesley Westbrook, like duo didn't work out. Are you guys genuinely surprised? Because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And you know, all throughout the offseason, all throughout the season, everybody tried to convince me, oh, but they're good friends and they're buddies and they like each other. And yeah, I mean, that's good and all. I I mean that's good and all. I, I know they like each other and they I, I know they have a really good relationship. But as far as basketball, do they do like do they fit well together? Do they play well together? No, no, not really, not really. They make they had to make in order for in order for the Rockets this year to get the ultimate best version of Russell Westbrook this year, they had to make some altering roster decisions, and that was first going like. Not just going small. They went ultra small and traded away literally any seven-footer that they had, which was Clint Capella. And they had 6'7 P.J. Tucker playing center. And we kind of figured that would not work. That would, that would, that would not give the Rockets, um, that, that wouldn't prevail the Rockets to win the title. We kind of all figured that. Most, most of us figured that. And outside of the Rockets fans, most of us kind of figured that. That it, it just was, it wasn't going to work that way. But then um, they did get the best version of Russell Westbrook because he was, he was very explosive. Remember, the second half of the season, he was playing some really good basketball. He was actually shooting the ball pretty efficiently and effectively because he wasn't shooting threes. The volume, his, his, his three-point, he wasn't putting up as many attempts behind the three-point line. It was very aggressive 
It was he was driving to the basket and so forth. But but for the most part, for the vast majority of it of of it in his stint his his very short and partial stint in Houston, it wasn't gonna work out. We kind of figured it was gonna work out. And when Mike D'Antoni left, when Daryl Morey left, when those when when both of those guys left. I I kind of figured that Houston I, and and that was that was I I fit, we all knew that this was Houston's last run as far as Daryl Morey Mike D'Antoni we kind of knew that this was going to probably be their last year and they stepped away um, Mike D'Antoni he he his contract expired uh, Daryl Morey he stepped away. He said because of family matters, but then he, like, like literally two weeks later, he got the 76ers job. So we're not going to even talk about that, but I, 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 I already talked about Daryl Morey. But the, the, literally, the report is now that both James Harden and Russell Westbrook are not, they're, they're, they are not happy with the future of the Houston Rockets. They're not happy with the direction where the Houston Rockets are going. And this brings me to this. This brings me to this. This, bring, this brings me to this. Okay, stay with me. Um, Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey, James Harden. When we, when you thought of the Rockets, when you think of the Rockets over the last several years, you think of Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey and James Harden and these the, these small ball lineups and the different trades that they make and the different tweaks that they make with their team and the three-point shooting and the analytics. And yet, we, 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 you think about those things, right? Well, you remove two of those things, which is, or two of those pieces, which is Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey. You remove two of those. You remove, you remove two of those pieces. You still have James Harden for now. Yeah. The direction is going to look a little choppy when you when you remove two of the three influential pieces in like what the Rockets have embodied. The Rockets have literally went all in analytics. They literally went all in analytics. Daryl Moy is an analytical guy. That is what the that's the Rockets culture. So of course James Harden and Russell Westbrook are going to look lost and look they're going to be like, well, what's happening? What are we doing? What, is the, what, what, what direction are we going in? Look how deep the Western Conference is. Be honest. You, look at the Western Conference. You got the defending champion Lakers. You have the Golden State Warriors. The Splash Brothers are coming back. They're going to be back healthy. You have the Clippers coming back on revenge. They're going to, you know, maybe, you know, let's see with let's see if they improve their roster a little bit. But they got Kawhi and PG. You look at the young Denver Nuggets, the comeback kids with Jokic and Jamal Murray. We can only think they're going to get better with Bobo and Michael Porter Jr. and all the other pieces uh, that they have or they may acquire. Then I look at another young team like the Dallas Mavericks with in with I think uh, I think I'm predicting it right now. I think Luka Doncic is going to be the MVP. But you look at a team like Dallas. Dallas is going to be in the running. You look at a team like Utah. You can't forget about Portland. You, I mean, you can't forget. I mean, there's just so many Western Conference teams. The West is so deep. The West is so deep. 
So when you remove two crucial pieces of that magnitude and the direction looks a little blurry, then yeah, that's why I questioned who's going to coach this team now. And they hired Steven Salas. I'm really, I'm really happy that he got the job. But, I mean, Houston, Houston right now is imploding. You know, players are coming out. and You know, P.J. Tucker, he's irate. And Austin Rivers doesn't like his minutes. And Daniel House doesn't like his role. I mean, everything, everything is coming out. Everything is coming out. Everything has come out. And let me, and, and, and with Russell Westbrook, this is just who he is. He wants, to, he wants to go back to the role that he had in Oklahoma City. He wants to be the primary option. He wants to be the, 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 the dominant ball handler, the, the, the ball-centric ball handler. That's what, that's what Russell Westbrook wants to be. And obviously in Houston, he can't get that. And I would also say with Russell Westbrook, some of this is on him. I think I think everybody Harden, um, uh, Daryl Morey, Mike D'Antoni, Russell Westbrook. I think all of them get a piece of the pie uh, of the blame pie, because with Westbrook from a from a sub you know from a from a viewpoint of Russell Westbrook, you know what you was getting yourself into. You knew James Harden was the guy. You knew James Harden was the dominant ball handler and similar to your game. You knew that. So, and with Russell Westbrook, this is why I think, I've been said this about Westbrook. I don't think his, I, don't, I never thought his style of play was championship winning basketball. I never thought that was a style where if Westbrook was the first or second option, I don't, I just didn't think that was going to be good enough to cut it to win a title. I never thought it would. And now it seems like, it seems like everybody is coming to that standpoint. And we're just understanding that this is who Russell Westbrook is. And it's very similar to Allen Iverson. Like, Allen Iverson, you know, we, we, we knew he was great. We knew how potent of a scorer he was. We knew he had that dog mentality. We, we knew he had it all. We, we loved the personality. We loved, or oh, some of us, we loved the killer that he had in him. But, we kind of knew, yeah, Allen, his AI's, his 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 play style. You're not gonna win a title like that. AI's the first ballot Hall of Famer, same as Russell Westbrook. First ballot Hall of Famers, their first ballot Hall of Famers. You love their killer instinct. You love their mentalities. You love their potent offensive games. And Russell Westbrook is so dynamic. And Allen Iverson was very dynamic himself. You love all of that about them. They're very, they're very influential. They're very iconic. But that's what that's going to be Russell Westbrook's legacy. Iconic. Allen Iverson was very iconic and influential. But Westbrook, he's going to be. This is this is going to be his legacy. He's going to go down as the guy where he he had a, he had a, he had a bunch of triple doubles. He's going to be the triple-double king. He averaged a triple-double in multiple seasons. Just like, Ox, just like Oscar Robinson. When you think of Oscar Robinson, like, like, think about it. When you think of Oscar Robinson, what do you think about? You think about the, you think about the triple-doubles. You don't, think about the, you don't think about the title that he won 
with Lou Alcindor. You don't you don't think about those things. You think about triple double, triple double. You don't you don't think you don't think about the title he won. You don't think about him playing with Lou Alcindor now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You don't think about that. You think about the triple double. And and with Westbrook, he probably won't win a title. Um, now if he does, that's great. But he probably won't win a title. But when you think of Russell Westbrook, you're gonna think you're gonna think about he was that guard that was super athletic and so dynamic. He averaged a triple double for multiple seasons, and he won MVP for one of those seasons. That that's gonna be his legacy. That's a damn good legacy. He's not gonna be a top ten, top fifteen, top twenty all time player, but that's gonna be that's a that's a really good legacy, and that's who it it seems like. I, you know, I'm looking at reactions across you know the so you know across media, sports media. We've kind of wrapped our arms around that, and we've kind of grasped this is who Russell Westbrook is. With James Harden on the other side, you know, James Harden with Mike Dan, and I must say, with Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni has created a monster. He creates monsters. He he creates, and I think Mike D'Antoni is a good coach. Now he's probably not on the status or on the level of um of 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 Phil Jackson and Pat Riley. He's probably not on that level. But as an offensive mastermind and an offensive whiz and genius, I mean Mike D'Antoni, I mean if you have a guard, if you have a guard with some talent, Mike D'Antoni can turn him into a MVP caliber player. I, I I've seen him do it. <laughs> I've seen him do it. I mean, in Phoenix and Steve, with Steve Nash, seven seconds or less, he, you know, Steve Nash won two MVPs. Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> Mike D'Antoni turned Lynn Sand. He, he, Mike D'Antoni went coaching the Knicks. Remember Lynn Sanity? Remember when, when Jeremy Lynn took over the NBA for like a month? Mike D'Antoni. And Carmelo Anthony was pissed? Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni. And then in Houston, James Harden was already a good player. He was already a great player, a great scorer, and he was a real he was and he was actually a well-rounded offensive scorer and offensive player. But Mike D'Antoni got there. I mean, Harden his numbers exacerbated. His numbers got exacerbated. His numbers, he was out to 35 plus points a game. And now with Harden with with and now Harden has been created into this 35 plus point game per score, 35 per 35 points per game score, you know, winning scoring titles, winning the MVP. You know, some hell, some people have gone as far as to say James Harden is the greatest offensive, you know, the greatest score ever. Right there, Tony. That that's that's what he creates. That's what he creates. So with Westbrook, he knew what he was getting himself into with James Harden and Mike D'Antoni. James Harden's ball-centric, Russell Westbrook's ball-centric. They're both ball-centric. They knew what they were getting themselves into. They knew what they were getting themselves into. Now, I do think it's more important for James Harden's legacy. I do think it's more important for him to win a title because, like I said, he has established himself as, some, like I said, some people have called him the greatest scorer ever or, or scorer of all time. Some people have called him the best offensive player of all time. He's averaging 30, 35, 35 points per game. 
you know, winning MVPs, winning scoring titles. So with that, you, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a little bit more pressure for Harden to win the title. But with Westbrook, we've kind of wrapped our arms around, like, this is who he is. This is his play style. We know his play style. Is it going to win you a championship? Now, if Westbrook does, like, somehow end up on a championship team, like, if he, and by the way, those trade rumors, I don't really buy into it. I don't really buy into trade. I don't really, I, like, those trade, like, Westbrook to the Clippers, I don't, I don't buy into it. And I'm going to tell you why I don't buy into it. Because Westbrook, there wasn't a lot of interest in Westbrook, and some of it is due to the contract. There's not a lot of interest. There's, so, so that, that rumor, that Clippers rumor, I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like it was put out there to create some leverage and to create some more buyers. Because because now, now, after that Clippers rumor was brought out there, you heard about the Knicks, you heard about the Magic, I've heard the Pistons thrown out. So I've heard some more teams thrown out there. But if I'm a championship contender, I don't know if I bring Russell. I don't, I don't think I'm going to bring Russell Westbrook on my team. Because his, 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 his poor shot selection is just so crucial and it's such a killer. And you just can't win titles like that. Plus, I mean, Russell Westbrook, I mean, he's played with Kevin Durant. Like, he had Kevin Durant as his number one. It, it, I mean, it really don't get no better than that. I mean, how, how, much, how much better can you get than Kevin Durant as your number one option? Not, you can't really get better than that. You, you mean you, you mean LeBron, but I mean like like you can, he's not gonna play with LeBron. Westbrook's not gonna be able to play with LeBron. So like you can't get any better than Kevin Durant as your number one option, and he was still not able to win a title. So this is who Russell Westbrook is. This is that's who that like we've we've wrapped our arms around that. Um, now if he does somehow end up on a title on a, a on a on a team winning a championship, that'd be great for him. But. I highly doubt that happens because I don't think a contender is going to add Russell Westbrook. And then also, he wants to be the main guy. So him on the Clippers, the, the Clippers need a pure point guard. And Russell Westbrook, and I, when I say pure point guard, they need somebody of the ilk of hmm, Chris Paul. They need somebody of that ilk. And to facilitate the basketball, get others, get others involved, make others better, that's not Russell Westbrook's game. His mentality is score first. His main objective is score first. Score the basketball. It ain't that his. It ain't facilitating the basketball. That that comes later. Score first. Then maybe we pass it. That's Russell Westbrook's mentality. That's his makeup. And the Clippers don't need that. So that is that. That's my take. <laughs> that's my take with Harden. I think there is a, there is some pressure, and I think he's feeling it. I think James Harden is feeling the pressure a little bit of like, okay, I I did all of this, I you know scoring titles, I've won an MVP, but it seems like I'm stuck in quicksand because you're looking at the, you're looking at that you're looking at that deep Western Conference, and boy, is it deep? The Western Conference the Western Conference is as deep as the Pacific Ocean. It is as deep as the Pacific Ocean. The Western Conference is loaded, and James Harden is—he's um, looking at it, and he's feeling the—he's feeling it. He's feeling the pressure. I gotta win a title, and I gotta win this soon. And um, I don't think Houston will be the place for him to do that. So that's my take. <laughs>
So I talked about Westbrook, and I talked about the Buccaneers and Tom Brady and that disgusting loss that they had versus the Saints. They got absolutely manhandled versus the Saints on Sunday Night Football, and I talked about that, and I broke that down. But Bruce Arians, um, who is brutally honest, and he's going to tell... He's going to tell the truth. Bruce Arians, that's just who he is. That's his makeup. And he was asked about Mike Evans. And a lot of people thought this was a shot at Brady. And I'm going to play the clip. Being the best receiver on this team, why isn't Byron making a more concerted effort of getting Mike involved in the passing game earlier? Mike was open a bunch in that ballgame. He just didn't, he didn't get targeted. That's all. He was open. Mike was, was open. So, you see that. He, Mike was open. So, first, some people didn't understand who was he talking about. Well, if Mike Evans is running routes and he's open, and Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians are designing and calling plays to get Mike Evans open... Then who is the... Oh, yeah. It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the quarterback. Tom Brady is supposed to be throwing Mike Evans the football. And And I think that comment by Bruce Arians... I think it's two things. First, like I said, Bruce Arians is brutally honest. It's It's just a part of his makeup. It's just who he is. Now... Two things. I think Bruce Arians is trying to, I think he's trying to massage Mike Evans' ego a little bit because we, we know Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore, for some reason, has Mike Evans' number. My, I mean, Mike Evans, went, went, Mike Evans went guarded or defended or covered by Marshawn Lattimore these last four games. It just, I mean, it just, it, he's just been shutting down. He's just been shutting down. And I think I think some of it with Bruce Arians' comment, I think some of it he's trying to massage Mike Evans. But I think the other half is this. Tom Brady is not delivering the football. And I'm going to tell you this. You know, a lot of people was calling, you know, a couple, couple weeks ago, a lot of people across sports media saying, oh, Tom Brady is the MVP or he's in the MVP discussion. I never brought up Tom Brady in the MVP discussion. I never talked about Tom Brady being in the MVP discussion. But the moment that this, that, that, I mean, the moment, you know, Sunday Night Football, you know, the the most important game of the year so far for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tom Brady lays an egg. And yes, the defense could have played better, sure. Um, they shouldn't have played zone. I, I, I addressed that already. Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians, yes, they have to do a better job at designing and calling plays, um, especially starting, you know, trying to start the running game up a little bit to help your 43-year-old quarterback. But also, I think, what, I think what's get, what, what gets lost is Tom Brady just hasn't been playing well. He just has not been playing well. And it's okay. He's 43 years old. It's a reason why quarterbacks don't play until they're 43. 
You guys remember Peyton Manning's last year? Peyton Manning's last year was painful to watch. Because you can just tell it wasn't Peyton Manning and he was he was he was he was done. He was done. He was done. And I'm not saying Tom Brady isn't I'm not saying he's done. I'm not saying he's a bum. I'm not saying he can't play. But what I am saying is it's okay to say Tom Brady is not an elite quarterback anymore. It's okay. It's okay. And 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 yes, like I said, I think Bruce Arians, I think he can do a better job with incorporating some of Tom's underneath patterns and some of Tom Brady's favorite underneath routes, you know, that he that you know that you know that made him so legendary in New England. Yes, he can certainly incorporate some of that. Because that's what Tom Brady is. He's a guy that he, he, he Tom Brady's never been a guy that's gonna stretch the field and beat you over the top. No. He's always been underneath precise timing routes. That's always been that's always been his makeup. But I also give I have to give some onus to Tom Brady because with Bruce Arians, this is who Bruce once again. This is who Bruce Arians is. He, Bruce Arians is a offensive guru. He's an offensive mastermind. But his offensive philosophy is he wants to throw the football and he wants to throw the football over the top. He wants to be able to make plays over the top. That's what he wants that that that, that that's what he wants to do with the passing game. Bruce Arians wants you to he he wants to make plays over the top. His saying is no risk it no biscuit. That that's that that's literally his offensive philosophy. So, Brady knew what he was getting himself into. He did. But but look at it like this. Look at Tampa Bay's Biggest win of the year. What's their biggest win of the year? Biggest win of the year for, for the Buccaneers. Um, what? The, the Green Bay Packers. That was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' best win. That was their, that was their most impressive win. Um, especially given the level of competition, right? Well, what was the story of that Green Bay game? That story, the story of that Green Bay game... It was not because it, it wasn't Tom Brady playing great. The story in the main factor that the Buccaneers won that football game is because Tom Brady, I mean, it's because the defense was, was smothering Aaron Rodgers. It's because the defense was back there killing Aaron Rodgers. Brady didn't play, Brady didn't play specifically, he didn't play terrifically well versus Green Bay. It was the defense. That was the story of the Buccaneers' best win. It was the defense. Tampa Bay bullied. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense bullied Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. That was the story of the game, and that is why, that's why the Buccaneers, that's why they won 38-10. to 10. They scored 38 straight points. They just, they just straight up dominated. That's what happened. That's what happened. And like I said, everybody is critical of Bruce Arians' play calling. But this was the same play calling that these were the same plays that were being called two, three weeks ago when everybody was anointing Tom Brady as MVP. 
Everybody was anointing Tom Brady MVP two, three weeks ago. And now, all of a sudden, it's all Bruce Arians' fault. It's all Byron Lef- It's all Byron Leftwich's fault. No, 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 no. Yes, they could do a better job of developing the run game and getting the run game started. Yes. But Brady has to play better. Throwing, throw, throwing interceptions into, into coverage is just unacceptable. Unacceptable, though. And, like, and take this for note. Take this for note. Chris Godwin, on a contract year, he's having career lows in just about every in every category. And, you know, it's a contract year. But he's been hurt. So, but the, the focus of this, the focal point of this conversation is Mike Evans. Mike Evans, you know, we're talking about his targets and so forth. Mike Evans has 52 targets. Cole Beasley has more targets than Mike Evans. I like Cole Beasley a lot. He was a former Cowboy. I think Cole Beasley is very productive for the Bills. And I think he's very, I think he's important for the Bills. He's no Mike Evans. And he should not have more targets than Mike Evans. But that speaks to, hey, maybe, you know, Brady's not delivering the football. He's not delivering the football where it needs to be. And, you know, when people, you know, I, I hear it often. I hear, I, hear, I hear the conversation and the debate so much. Well, who's the... Who, who, who's the who's the who's the main reason? Who's the most important piece of the Patriots dynasty? I I always say it's a combination of both Brady, him being the greatest quarterback of all time, and him having that clutch factor and that clutch gene, and it's a combination of Bill Belichick and his defensive guru. He's a defensive mastermind, but also. He has his team's discipline, button up, and he usually has those good defenses. That is that that is why the Patriots dynasty lasted so long, and that is why it was so successful. That's why. That's why. That is why. And you're looking at you're looking at Tampa Bay, you know, a lot of and you look at the last year in New England. New England last year, they were a good team. They weren't great. They weren't great. We knew that team last year wasn't going to get to the Super Bowl. At least I, I didn't I didn't have them get into the Super Bowl. We knew they weren't great, but they were a good team. They went 12 and 4, and we already knew their defense was putting up, you know, record numbers with their turnovers and how they forced turnovers and how they made quarterbacks look so bad at times. But last year the story uh, the the story of last year with the Patriots were oh, these skill positions, the skill positions are bad. Oh, uh, oh man, Brady receivers are bad. Brady receivers are awful, and I agree. I didn't think the supporting cast was that great either. I didn't think I didn't think none of New England's skill positions were that great either. But did Tom Brady elevate those guys? Uh, no, no, he didn't. He didn't elevate those guys. And usually, this is the first time in Tom Brady's career that he can look around and he has a, 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 a just a litany of talent around him. Uh, he 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 had Randy Moss for a brief stretch. He had he had Wes Walker. He had Rob Gronkowski. But uh, mo- but for most of his career, Tom Brady was th- was thrown to a bunch of Dion Branch and uh, Wes and, and, and Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman and Troy Brown. Not to say those guys are, are not to say those guys aren't good or weren't good, but. They weren't Randy Moss. They weren't Mike Evans. They weren't Chris Godwin. Now he has those pieces, and he's struggling to deliver the football. That's okay, though. And it's okay to say Brady is not elite. 
It's okay. It's okay. He's 43 years of age. Brett Favre, remember Brett Favre? Remember Brett Favre in his last stages of his career? Brett Favre didn't want to go to training camp. Brett Favre didn't want to go to practice. He just, he just wanted to play. Brett Favre just wanted to play. He didn't want to go to practice. He didn't want to go to training camp. He just wanted to play. But, you know, that last year in Minnesota, he, couldn't, he just wasn't the same. He didn't, he, he didn't have the same zip. Remember Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning his last year? I, I mean, I never, saw, I never thought I would see Peyton Manning look that bad. I never thought I would see Peyton Manning look that bad, but he did. And they won the Super Bowl, but they had a, he, had a, he had a really all-time great defense. But it happens. It's the reason why quarterbacks don't play until... It's the reason why quarterbacks don't play up to 43. It's the reason why. It is just the reality of it. That's all. It's the reality of it. You guys remember Kobe Bryant in his last year? Rest his soul. But do you remember his last year? It was painful to watch at times. It was, it, it was painful to watch Kobe in his last year. I mean, I know he had 60. He had 60 in his last game, but it took 50 shots. But rest his soul. But it was painful to watch. And like I said, I think Brady's a good quarterback. I think Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. And I think Brady, um, six championships, that, n- nothing takes that away. But it is okay at the age of 43 to say Tom Brady is not elite anymore. He's good, but he is not elite. One day, you're going to look up and LeBron James is going to be the same thing with LeBron James. LeBron James is not going to be elite one day. He's still going to be pretty good. He's still going to be pretty decent. But he is not going to be elite one day. One day, he's going to look up. and We're all going to look up and we're like, he's not elite anymore. We all, we all know that rapper there, 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 you know, there's rappers later in their career who they drop an album, the music just don't hit the same. It just don't. It don't hit the same. It just don't. It just just does not hit the same. There's a, there's there's comedians that age. They're just not as funny. <laughs> it's reality of it. It's the reality of it. It's the reality of it. That's all. That's all. And Tom Brady, 43 years of age, that's great. He can still play in the NFL. He's still a good quarterback. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's bad, but it's just the fact of the matter. It's just the fact of the matter. It's okay to say he's not an elite quarterback. It's just the reality of the matter. It's just the fact of the reality. Tom Brady... It's aging, and it's so much. It's so much avocado ice cream you can each eat. It's it's only so much working out you can do. It's only so many protein shakes you can drink. At forty three, at forty four, at forty five, at forty six, your body takes a pounding. That's all, and it's okay to say Tom Brady is not elite anymore. 
and I heard, I think I heard Dan Olowski say, um, and he's and he, Dan Olowski, he's really good. But I think he said Tom, when when given time, Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the league. He's the best quarterback in the league. That's what that's what Dan Olowski said, and I like Dan Olowski. But and and I would probably agree. But Tom Brady, when pressured this year, has a completion percentage of thirty two point seven. With zero touchdowns and two interceptions. So, that's just the fact of the matter. When given time, he's, you know, according to Dan Lonsky, he's the best quarterback in the league. Well, if you pressure him and speed him up a little bit, he's below average. That means he's right in between below. He, he really good, elite, below average. He, he's good. It's okay to say Tom Brady's good. It's okay to say that he is not elite and he's just a good quarterback. That's all he is. That's all. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, NBA free agency, it, it, you know, it's always hectic. It's always crazy. Russell, you know, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, you know. But I like, I like, and I like him. But, you know, this is the truth. Um, free agency is always crazy in the NBA. You're going to see some trades. You're going to see some, you're going to see some signings. Um, I expect, I expect a lot of activity because, you know, due to a a short time span, I expect a lot of activity to come pretty quickly, but now it's time for my weekly top 10 list. I did not do it last week. So we're back on this week for week 10, my weekly top 10 list for week 10 going into week 10, I should say. And I did watch the Thursday night game and I, and I, I adjusted it accordingly. Um, the Colts, they play pretty well, so I adjusted it. And, you know, some of you guys be like, oh, you don't, you, 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 you forgot that my team, or my team is too low on your list. Like, it's a weekly list, so it's bound to change. It's bound to change. My top, my, my top half really doesn't change, but it's the bottom half that, you know, my, my team, no, it's, it's bound to change. It's bound to change. Um, you know, if your team just wins, they'll probably be on the list. So, um, you want to start the music? Let's start the music. <laughs> uh, so, okay. At 10, I have the Indianapolis Colts. Like I said, they played the hell of a game last night. Phillip Rivers did play well. For him to be 38, he played a really good game. Um, it was a lot of underneath stuff, underneath patterns, but that's fine. It got the job done. Um, defensively, I think that was the story. Defensively, they played well. We, I mean, the Titans' defense isn't that great. But on the flip side, you know, Indianapolis, they should be able to move the ball offensively. But on the defensive side, they really slowed down a high-powered offense that the Titans had going this year. Um, they neutralized Derrick Henry. They got they, they rattled Ryan Tannehill a, a bit, and they, they got a couple good shots on him. They played really well defensively, and I think that was the key to their win. Um... Before the season started, I predicted the Colts to win this AFC South. And the Colts, they're leading the division right now so far. The Colts at 10. Indianapolis at 10. Okay, at 9, I'm going to go with the Dolphins. Brian Flores, I think, is... he. I mean, he has a damn good case for being coach of the year. Like I said, before the season, I predicted this team to be a wild card team. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I still believe in that. 
Brian Flores has spent so much money on his defense, it is starting to pay off. Um, they're number one in scoring defense. So you don't score a lot of points on them. They, 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 they've been taking away the ball and scoring all for their tur- all for their turnovers for the last two weeks now. And now it's Tua time in Miami. Tua Tunga Valoa has taken over the helm in Miami. And I like their, their balance and efficient offensively. He doesn't turn over the football, um, except for that one fumble but uh, versus the Rams. But other than that, Tua and the offense have been efficient. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I like what I've been seeing from, from Miami. I'm going to go with the Dolphins at 9. At 8, I got to go with the Bucks. I mean, they're inconsistent. They're too inconsistent inconsistent for me. Let me tell you this. They're inconsistent on defense. They're inconsistent on offense. And sometimes the coaching is inconsistent as well. Now, I will say this. They're very talented on both sides of the ball. Talent is not an issue for this team. Talent is not going to be the issue for this team. Because defensively, you know, on paper and numbers show that they're really good. Offensively, they're really good. But... This is the truth about the Buccaneers. They can't beat the Saints. They're gonna. They're, they're not gonna. They're most likely not going to win the NFC South, and they're very inconsistent. <laughs> those those are the takeaways for the Buccaneers. Can't beat the Saints. Inconsistent, and they're and they're most likely not going to win the NFC South. That's how that's how I look at them. Still very talented though. Um, at seven, the Seattle Seahawks. They had a very weird game um, last Sunday. Defensively, they did not show up at all. Um, more so the secondary. More so the secondary, because they got seven sacks. So that's a that 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 that, that should be something for Seattle fans to feel good about. They got seven sacks, so they're finally able to create some type of pass rush. But that secondary has to get better. If that secondary doesn't get better, they will not make a Super Bowl run, and they'll be out of the playoffs um, earlier than what they would like. Simple as that. I think I think it will get better. I hope it gets better. Jamal Adams is back healthy. But if they don't get better, they will they will be exiting the playoffs earlier than expected. Or earlier than they, they would like. Seattle at 7. At 6, I have the Buffalo Bills. You know why? Because they beat the Seahawks. Um, now, Buffalo, I've been, they've been up and down all year. But let me tell you this. If Buffalo could just be a little bit, a little bit more consistent with their running game, I think they'd be fine. But Because Josh Allen got back on track. Um, for, for the past couple weeks, it's been difficult for him um, as far as his accuracy. He's getting back to all, you know, old, raw Josh Allen. Last week, that was a great confidence booster for him. So I'll, ex- I, I'll expect him to trend in the right direction and, win, and finish this thing out and win the AFC East for the Buffalo Bills. Um, defensively, I guess they got a little bit better. They was able to rattle um, Russell Wilson a little bit, but you know, let's see what we let's see what, let's see what happens with Buffalo. I got them at six though. At number five, 
The Buffalo, I mean, uh, the Buffalo Bills. At number five, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, oh, no, excuse me. I had that wrong. At number five, I have the New Orleans Saints. Yes, they're in my top five. They're in my top five for the first time in a while. Um, They've been playing well. <laughs> they've been playing well. I mean, in, in a lot of this, they're on a winning streak. A lot of this has been done with no Michael Thomas. They get Michael Thomas back, they're a better team. He he's valuable. Drew Brees, he's not. I mean, I, I still don't think he. Ha- I think I, I still think he has a noodle arm. He can't. He's not going to beat you over the top. But he played. That was his best game he's played all year versus the Buccaneers. Kamara, he leads. Alvin Kamara leads the league in in, in all in, in um in all scrimmage yards scrimmage yards. So they're playing well, and their defense is going to go, be solid. My question with the Saints is: is this? Are they going to show up in the playoffs? That's my question. Are they going to show up in the playoffs? But I have the Saints at five. At number four, I have the Green Bay Packers. Yes, the Green Bay Packers. Now, although I do think the Packers are somewhat fraudulent, I do think the Packers are fraudulent a little bit. I think they're fraudulent at times. I think the Packers can be a bit fraudulent. But they're a really good team. They are a really good team. They are a really good team. They're fin- they're they're finesse and not physical. They can get they can get pushed around. I still I still think they could have used another linebacker that can stuff the run. But they're a good team. I can't complain. They're a really good team. But I do think they're still fraudulent. Um, and they can get pushed around by a physical team. So, but Green Bay at four. At number three, I got the Baltimore Ravens. You know, people, and maybe I'm a victim of this. Maybe I'm guilty of this as well. But I haven't sold their stock yet. I haven't sold the Ravens stock yet. They, they, they were okay. Let me understand. They played well enough. Let me put you. Let me, let me, let me get, let me get you guys like this. They played well enough, well enough to beat the Steelers. Lamar Jackson had four turnovers, but defensively. They slowed down the Steelers. The, the, the Ravens' defense, they slowed down Big Ben in Pittsburgh. They're able to force turnovers. I like that about the Ravens. They're able to generate turnovers defensively. Now, I think offensively, Lamar, they got to get a little bit better. I'm going to talk about that for a brief stretch a little bit. But they have to get better offensively. They have to expand. But this Ravens team, they're potent offensively. And they force turnovers defensively. What's not to like about them? And I think, I think plus, I think Baltimore would beat Green Bay because I think Baltimore would just outmuscle Green Bay. So Baltimore at three. At number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They play down to their competition. The Cow, they almost let the Cowboys beat them. Now I knew they were going to beat the Cowboys, but they play down to their competition. Um, and also their their defense just jumps off the screen. Their defense just totally jumps off the screen. But offensively, I have my I have my I have my question, my questions. Um, as far as the running game, I don't know I don't know how consistent and how effective that is because I saw the Cowboys stuff the run, I saw the Ravens stuff the run. 
and the Cowboys are the, they're, they're the worst run defense in football. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Ravens run off, you know, running game. But defensively, I love them. Um, and Ben, he's doing just enough for them to win. Just enough. He's doing just enough for them to win. So I got Pittsburgh at two. And last but not least, the Kansas City Chiefs at number one. They have multiple ways they can beat you. They can beat you with running the football 30 times. They can throw it 35, 30 times. They can outscore you. They can come back. Offensively, they're potent. We already know that. Like, they're unstoppable. Defensively, they're getting better. I think this is, I think this is obvious. I think they're the obvious best team in, the fo- in football. I think, that, I think it's obvious. I had the Chiefs at number one. Chiefs at number one. I think it's blatantly obvious that they're the best team in football. The music did cut off, but we're still going to freestyle. Um, I still think the Ravens are, I mean, I still think the Chiefs are the best team, even, even with Pittsburgh being undefeated. I think Kansas City's still the best team. Mahomes, he looks very surgical. 25 touchdowns, one interception. He looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. And Kansas City have multiple ways to beat you. I think they're on a level. I think they're on another another level. I think they're on another level. Kansas City. Kansas City at number one. So now I'm gonna do my uh my predictions, my week 10 predictions. <clears throat> so did a lot this podcast, but let's get into it. So Week 10 predictions, I took a break from predictions last week, but we're going to get back on track. Let's go. So first game on the docket, the Washington football team versus the Detroit Lions. This game is at home. This is a home game for the Lions. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not huge on neither team. Uh, I do think Washington could present some troubles up front, but Matthew Stafford, he's a playmaker, but the Lions don't have no Kenny, Kenny Galladay. Um, so that that may end up hurting them. You know what? And and I think I'm gonna take Washington. I'm gonna take Washington with the upset. Washington's a four point under four and a half point underdog. So I take the underdog. Um, if if you know if I lose this bet, I have to swallow it. I mean Washington. Both teams are bad. I'm not I'm not huge or neat on neither. But I take Washington because I think Washington can cause some problems up front. Alex Smith is starting. I'm going to take Washington to win this football game. I'm going to go with a score of 27 to 25. Um, Next game on the docket, the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are 13 and a half point favorites. Now, let me tell you this. Green Bay, when they're playing an inferior opponent, they usually kill. They usually like they usually beat the brakes off of inferior opponents. So Jacksonville, they um they they're starting uh, uh, I think I think the I think their quarterback is making his second start. He did play pretty well last week, but that was against Houston. Um so I, that you know, I, I don't I don't really buy much into that. I think Green Bay at home, they they have a lot of momentum. I think they got some confidence about themselves and you know, Jacksonville I think will give them even more confidence. I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to go with a score of 38. I'm going to go, I, I think they're going to, well, no. I'm going to do 34, 34-20, 34-20 Green Bay Packers. 
Okay. Um, next game of the dock. Another division game, NFC East game. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles versus the New York Giants. The Eagles are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to take Philadelphia. Now, I think this is going to be a really close game, just like the first game. Um, Philly's coming off a bye, so hopefully, hopefully they got some guys back healthy. Um, the Giants did play well, and the Giants have been playing some really good football um, these last few weeks. And really, and honestly, they should have beaten the Eagles the first time. But I think the Eagles come out, they know they're the favorites to win this NFC East. Um, I, I think Philadelphia wins this game. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a swing at it. I'm gonna take a score of 26 to 23. I think it'll be a really tight game, really competitive game, NFC East game, sloppy. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Carolina Panthers. This is a, a one o'clock game. The Buccaneers are six point favorites. I'm gonna take Tampa Bay and the points. Tampa Bay is a really talented team. They got embarrassed on prime in, in prime time. So you know what this means. Carolina, they came off a tough loss versus Kansas City, but they I they I, I don't think I don't think Christian McCaffrey is playing. Um so I'm gonna take Tampa to win this game. I think this would be the perfect game for Tampa Bay to get back on track in the willing in the winning column to try to solidify their spot in the NFC. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win this game 33-23. to 33-23 Buccaneers. Uh, okay, so we have next game on the docket. The Houston Texans versus the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are four-point favorites. I think Baker Mayfield is playing in this game. Um, I'm not so sold. I, you know... I'm really, I'm really, I'm really close to picking Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans in this game, but I'm gonna take the Browns. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Browns. I'm gonna take the points. I think the Browns will win. Uh, I think this could be, a, I think this could be a pretty entertaining game between Baker and Deshaun Watson a little bit. Um, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with final score of 27 of 28 to 26. Uh, Cleveland Browns. Next game on the docket, 4 o'clock game. The Denver Broncos versus the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are four-point are four favor, four favorites. This game is at Las Vegas. I'm going to take the, uh, the Raiders. They're going to try to make a playoff push. Um, I like what they can do offensively. I, if this game was probably in Denver, I would probably choose Denver. Um, but I think the Raiders, they're coming off of a, a really tough win, a tough division win. I think they try to look and double up with another division win. I'm going to take the Raiders to win this game 28-20. to 20. Um, Okay, so this is, the, this is a really big game. Next game on the docket, the Chargers versus the Dolphins. This should be really exciting. We get Justin Herbert versus Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Uh, I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins. First, Miami is really good defensively. And I like Justin Herbert. I think Herbert is going to – I think Herbert – his talent is just like his like his his ceiling is really 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 high, but I think Miami's defense is going to make him a little bit uncomfortable, which could lead to a turnover or two, um, because Miami has been doing a great job these last few weeks forcing turnovers and scoring on off those turnovers. Now I think the big thing with Miami is that doesn't get talked about enough. Miami's pretty good offensively. Miami can score some points. 
I think they're top, they have a top 10 offense. So it's not just a one-sided thing with Miami. It's not just their defense is really good and their offense is, no. Their offense and their defense is both top 10. Um, and I'm going to go, with, I think this could be a really entertaining game. I'm going to go with a score of 22 to 28. I think the Dolphins inch out, a, uh, you know, ink out a close one. Okay, so we got a game on the dock. Okay, so we got the Buffalo Bills versus the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are two and a half point favorites. They're coming off a tough loss versus the Dolphins. I I I I like both quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. Um, both are on you know both are on a different side of the spectrum as far as height and size and so forth. But I'm gonna take Kyler and the Arizona Cardinals. They have a they have a really important division game coming up that that's going to be really crucial for the division and for playoff seating. So I think they I think they're going to beat the Bills. Um, Bills coming off a really a you know a, a great win a big win um, versus Seattle. I think Arizona brings them back down to earth. Um, Buffalo's defense it, it you know it it, it gave if it, it gave some pressure. And it forced Russell, you know, it rattled Russell Wilson a little bit. But Kyler, I'm still skeptical of this defense. So we'll see. But I'm going to go with a high-scoring game. I think this could be a really good one in the desert. I'm going to go with the Cardinals to win 34-30. to 34-30, Cardinals. Okay, Cincinnati Bengals versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they got some COVID um they got some players on the COVID-19 list, but they're seven-point favorites. Assuming that Ben Roth, assuming that Ben Roethlisberger plays, I'm gonna choose the Steelers. Now, if this, if if Ben doesn't play, I probably, I don't know, I probably would pro, I probably would go with Cincinnati. But I'm gonna choose with, I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh. Um, assuming that Ben Roethlisberger will play, I'm gonna take the Buccaneers. I'm gonna take the the Steelers to win. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I think this could be a really good, a really good divisional game. I'm gonna go with uh, twenty twenty-seven uh, to twenty-one. Um, okay, so who do we have? Seattle versus the Rams. Um, okay, so important game right here. The the Seahawks. They they're coming off of a Buffalo, a tough Buffalo loss. They have the Rams coming up this week. This upcoming Sunday, and then they have Thursday night football with the Arizona Cardinals. I think Seattle realizes this is a big win. Also, or this would be a big win. Also, with the Rams, the Rams have their five and three, but four of their five wins have come against the NFC East. So I don't know how good the Rams are. And and that, and so actually, get this: four out of their five wins came against the NFC East. And then their latest win, their fifth win, came against the Chicago Bears. So I don't know how good the Rams are. So this would be a really good test for both teams. The Rams are favorite. I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this game because I think they understand the importance. I'm going to go 33-28 Seahawks. Um, okay, 49ers versus the Saints. This is at New Orleans. The Saints are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't think I think it's gonna be closer than that though. I think San Francisco. I think San Francisco is gonna to try to keep it closer than that. I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna pick the Saints, but I think it's closer than nine than, than nine and a half points. I'm gonna choose the Saints to win a close one. Twenty eight. 
28-24. Um, I think they, you know, coming off a big-time win, I think I think New Orleans will ink out this win, but I think San Fran tries to keep it close. Um, okay. Sunday night football, Baltimore Ravens versus the Patriots. Um, the Ravens are seven-point favorites. I'm going to choose the Ravens. Um, I, I just don't have much faith in New England. New England, they barely, they barely, by the skin of their teeth, beat the New York Jets, who are um, literally like the worst football team to ever put on shoulder pads. So I don't, I, 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 I just don't have much faith going into, um, going into this game with New England. Uh, it, it is at Gillette Stadium, so that that gives them some type of hope. But I'm gonna choose the Ravens to win. I, I'm gonna choose the Ravens to win. I'm gonna choose. I, 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 Got enough faith in them. I, I, I'm not selling my Ravens stock. I'm going to choose the Ravens to win this football game. I'm going to go with a score. I'm going to go with a score of, um, let's go, 31-20 New England. I mean, Baltimore. 31-20 Baltimore. And then lastly, for Monday Night Football, um, the Minnesota Vikings versus the Chicago Bears. This game is at Soldier Field. This is a really important game because the Minnesota Vikings, they are they they are rolling they 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 they're, they're picking up the steam. They're picking up I mean Minnesota is picking up the steam. Dalvin Cook has completely put this team on his back and he has been carrying them to victories. Um the Bears on the other hand has been they they have been trending downward and I think they're I think they're on a four game a three game losing streak I think. Um, so they could really use this win. I'm going to go, I don't have much faith in this. I'm going to go with the Bears just off of the fact that they really need this win to stay in the NFC playoff picture or to stay afloat rather because Minnesota's right there trailing them. I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with Chicago in a really close game. I think this could be a really ugly game. I think it's going to be cold in Chicago. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Bears to win, um, I'm gonna take the Bears. I'm sorry. I'm gonna take the Bears to win 27-23, 27-23 Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm a, I, 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 don't, I don't know how confident about that I am, but because Minnesota, I mean, Dallin Cook, he's just been balling. I don't know how confident I am about that. We'll see, we'll see. But those are my picks. Those are my Week Ten picks. Uh, I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up for you guys. Get up out of here. Get up out of here. Get up out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Um, did you guys get the PS5? Let me know if you got the PS5. Uh, I was not able to get it. Hopefully, one of my plugs, one of my connections could, uh, could land it for me. But let me know if you got the PS5. Let me know. Uh, I'd be really curious to know. But I did not get it. Uh, Walmart was... Whew, Walmart online service was just... Was was that that was not it, um. But nevertheless, thank you guys for you know tuning in, listening in. I want to talk more college football, but we get to it. We definitely get to it. College football is dealing with a COVID crisis. I do think now I must say before I let you guys go, college football they can do a better job. I like I I do think the conferences they could do a better job at um at. You know, making this schedule a little bit flexible. Like, college football has to make their schedule flexible, similar to other sports. Like, the NBA made themselves flexible. 
Baseball definitely made it, made itself flexible. Um, the NFL has given itself some flexibility. I think college football, the like does the, does the, does selection Sunday have to be on December twentieth? Like, can you can you move that date back? Can you move these college football playoff games date back? I think college football they gotta like they gotta stop being so rigid and be a little bit more flexible. Like, come on, we're living like come on, we're, we're dealing with a pandemic. These are kids; they're not getting paid. Like, these are not professional athletes. These are quote unquote amateurs by you guys' eyes. So make it a little bit flexible. Make it a little fle- make it a little bit more flexibility. Give it some flexibility. Um, I, you know, these kids not in a bubble, but nevertheless, I'm gonna let you guys go. Hope you guys, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I am out. Your humbled and highly favored host. I'm gone. Peace, deuces. Always remember two choices, one decision, and I am out. Deuces, peace. See y'all. Bye. <laughs>